0: Kavara might argue that he's not a person.
1: Oh, we don't have the bots in here. I'll throw the bots in. Uh, Craig.
0: Thanks for the bots reminder. Kavar would have reminded us of that.
2: <laughs> Shit. I, I've forgotten the commands again. I just realized that I think my microphone was set to the wrong thing. and I was like, oh, wow, everyone's just chatting, and I'm, like, sitting here. But <laughs> the microphone is on the wrong setting. Now we hear you. <laughs>
0: Second? That's we're... good. I just
2: was thinking you were all rude. So... We were, but also interrupting me all the time. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> okay, just a second. I got the thing.
1: I also didn't do it. What the Oh one died?
0: <laughs> no, I I was trying to type it in manually and apparently for me, it autofills into an emoticon instead.
2: Is an emoticon?
0: It is now!
2: Oh.
0: Just a second.
1: Uh, oh, look at
0: that. Oh, it's from a different server. Okay, that's... Huh. Where the heck is. have I seen that from? I need a second. I'm going to check this now.
1: Huh. Of all things to go wrong, this has never happened. Well, we're streaming. Hey, everybody. This is well Forward. I'm Rob. <laughs> Hi, Rob. From everybody. Hi, Rob. That might me. Myself. Hey. Um, Catrice is here tonight, joining me. Oh, we're talking about yeah. players and how yes. games can build better ones. If that's a thing, we'll discuss... We'll discuss that. Jonathan's here tonight. Hey, Jonathan. Oh, no. Jonathan's here-ish tonight. Mark's here tonight. Hey, Mark. Hi. I'm definitely here. Mark's definitely here. Cavoir is here, but not visible or audible. So not very different from usual. Even though he is not appearing in the thing and is not here electronically, he is here in spirit. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But it's Close not going to be that different from most Kevlar appearances. He actually may have influenced the conversation more by not being here.
0: Mm.
1: Did not consider that. Yeah. Crazy. All right. So, Mark, this was uh, you came up with this topic. So, uh, explain uh, explain what you meant by this.
2: Yeah, uh, so the phrasing of the topic was really how do games uh, help build or promote good players? Um, So I think this is an interesting idea where I think everyone has had experiences as a GM running a game and uh, you might have a player at the table who isn't meshing with the rest of the team uh, or isn't really playing the game as uh, everyone else is. And something about that is an issue that I think a lot of people face. And I'm curious how much of that comes down to the design of the game itself, or I guess how much of the game can you design to help remove that problem or help solve that problem? Mm -hmm. Even just teaching players how to be good players of your particular game. Are you able to do that just through the rule book? Mm. Questions that I wanted to. So, to like, get.
1: so, like, that's it's partially like, okay, what's What's the
2: implicit social contract around your game
1: or explicit? What's that dichotomy look like, I guess?
2: Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah. in terms of like what's what comes with the game when you were to, if you were to buy like a, a role playing game rule book, um, I think there are a few things that come with it. The, the rules text at one, and I think you can interpret that and. Decide how that uh, game wants you to be a good player, um, but even just the preamble—like not even the rules themselves, but just the setting or the lore behind it. Or um, if there's a specific kind of game culture, what does that require you to do? If it's more of a, a GM full or gm list game as compared to sort of a traditional role-playing game, what are the different social implications there? And how do they encourage you to be a good player for that kind
0: of game? Hmm.
1: What are some What are some examples of this that we can think of?
0: I oh. can immediately think of one, Supreme, which is. Brendan is
1: blasting us in chat, but yeah, okay, <laughs> with examples, but go ahead, Kat.
0: Yeah, I was immediately thinking of Rob Sashes and the Magi, oh, specifically okay. because of the thing where. You know, in a lot of games, it's a problem if, you know, players use metagaming knowledge, but it's baked into the game itself so that it's not an issue. It's more so just, if you are going to metagame, you kind of have to role play it yes. because right. <laughs> your magi can see into the future. They can see the, the consequences of their actions. Oh, if I go in here, there's a trap. But because of the nature of it, it's like, it's, yeah, you're still going to be metagaming, but now you're doing it in character, which is close enough.
2: Exactly. Um, I think one of the games that I've talked about uh, quite a bit is Headspace.
1: I mm. um, just that the other fun. day. Yeah.
2: Cool. Oh, yeah. So I, I think it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also taking something that could be a table problem of uh, your character isn't physically at this conversation. <laughs> but you're acting based on the information that some other player has because you overheard the scene that they were in. Um, And the game explains that in the context of the setting where all of you are part of a team that have these neural connections. You can see and hear everything that someone else in your team is experiencing. So that helps explain it or reinforce it in the context of the setting of the game so that it's not being a metagaming player, which might be a problem for some people.
1: Yeah, there, there's always that. Like, there are. I, I've never really had a GM be a hard enforcer of that sort of thing, where it's like, you know, hey, um this conversation's happening in a different room. You guys should leave the room, type thing. I mean, it's happened right. like once or twice, maybe, but really not. I would say not in the last like fifteen years. That was something we did more like in high school for like. Immersion sake, I think, where it was like that made a bigger difference to us. Um,
2: yeah. I know it's one of the things that I've definitely used with um, either play by post or um, okay when I've done uh, uh, like tabletop. Uh, what's it called? The uh, roll twenty, where you mm-hmm. can whisper to certain players. Right. So that's something where I want to communicate something to just a handful of people, mm-hmm. uh, not to everyone else. Right. And that's what yeah. But, yeah.
0: I found um, on online any kind of online interaction, it makes it a lot easier because you can discreetly send stuff to people and other people don't know, which is even more useful than just writing it down on a sheet of paper and sliding it over to the player, because that way other people don't know that the paper has been slid over to them, which is still kind of its own kind of issue. Uh Like, There there have been um, cases where games have done that, like I know I've heard of a couple of GMs mention stuff like they just write something on, like a sheet of paper and hand it to a player and all it says to the player is something like, act really surprised but then try to downplay it and I'll give you a, a magic item at the end of the session. Mm. Which is pure meta-meta gaming on the right. meta. Which is and
1: bribery. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it is.
0: I, I I don't like this kind of methodology. I would rather not have that be like a primary form of how you play the game. Like this is head games in the players, not the characters. I, right, I, right. I don't really appreciate that, mm-hmm. but whatever yeah, it this... is. It is a thing that some games do.
2: Right. This also sort of supposes that um, metagaming by itself is something that would make you a problem player. And I guess in some games, that isn't a problem. For some tables, that isn't necessarily a problem.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, or that doesn't wouldn't make you a bad player. But I think there are other things that also would be classified as bad player syndromes, like um, even just lack of engagement in what's going on at the table. Um, I think is a, a pretty classic one of someone not paying attention um, to the the way the game is playing because it might not be their turn or their action or their character involved. Um, we
0: have fortunately covered that previously, though. Mm-hmm.
1: Elaborate? Yep. well i
0: i I mean we have had like entire episodes about like engagement keeping like the players attention focused and stuff like that um how to get them to encourage role playing in general stuff like that like we have covered these topics individually but as but there is the greater whole of like you know no
1: jonathan um, we cannot hear you
0: no and you have not been like lighting up on discord either so it's not even like recording whatever you're saying i have actually checked twitch and everybody else is actually coming through on twitch at least
1: try uh, disconnecting and reconnecting oh we just saw it
2: just to yeah, he's totally a... working
1: earlier, yep. right also i'll just take this moment That is the first time i've had somebody quote my own game back to me in chat <laughs> so thanks for
2: that sabrina <laughs> that was weird for me that was cool do you want to do you want to talk about it wrong because uh, i think was, it's a perfect... no it was
1: just the uh, safety things right so um um the better players thing i i i sabrina just pulled a quote from the last uh, upload i did for ashes um and I'm just going to read it verbatim. Ashes of the Magi purposely includes prompts and opportunities to examine and engage with the worst humanity has on offer. But the main goal is still, is still the enjoyment of play. Here are some things you can do to help everyone have a good time and some rails you can set up to make sure no one has a bad time. So just starting out with that, th- here's the principle of play. Yes, there are horrible things in here, but yes, I'm trying, not trying to, I'm not, this game is not trying to fuck with you. It's right. we're still trying to have a good time. But we are going to try and engage with these things in in my, oh, this is really interesting. So my wife uh, gave me this term the other day because it was used in a um, online women's group she was a part of, uh, calling something a brave space where we confront issues. It's it's akin to um, where we confront issues, but we all support each other. So it's similar to the I will not abandon you principle um, that uh, Meg Baker uh, uh, formulated. So the idea of a brave space is like, okay, we're going to deal with hard subjects and we're all going to be like, okay, we all have to like sit and think about these things and like feel the feelings that are coming up about these things. And like, we're all going to, you know, try and be mature about each other's responses as well and try and be mindful and sort of um, work through these things together and not have um, moments where we are trying to win. Like that's a very important point part of that is like we're not trying to get something over on somebody else we're trying to make space for people to um share the things that they might be afraid of sharing right and and it it is kind of there's there's an element of safety that's an implicit there as well uh but part of the idea is like the the difficult subjects that come up um are not going to be shied away from
0: i actually like this like usually i do not like a lot of the safety mechanics for their setup or the terms for them in a lot of cases, but brave speeds I like that, that, that is a good way to point it out that it's like, even just the phrasing of it mm-hmm. is important because it's like, you can do this, you you're going, it's going to be difficult. But bravery isn't about like the concept of, oh, I'm not afraid. It's that you're doing shit even because you're afraid mm-hmm. or right, despite right. that you're afraid, like you're you're making yourself better. You're not, it's not that this isn't a problem anymore. It's that you're able to handle it anyway. And I, I do like that concept much more. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. What well, else? Oh, sorry, go ahead. What I also really like about that phrase that you have at the beginning of your game in terms of the safety tools is that you also provide opportunities for uh, the players at the table to say, "Here's how. here are techniques on how you can encourage everyone at the table to become better players. Like, not only is this an issue that you can kind of anticipate, but also here are some things you can do to help everyone have a good time. And you, you actually go ahead and list things. And thanks, Sabrina, for, for linking it. Because you actually say, encourage participation. So how do you do that? Um, and you you actively give everyone a description of how they can cooperatively work together in this game to help everyone else participate. Or how to distinguish between the character that's playing versus the player who's playing. Um, and I think these are all really great topics that you cover um, that yeah. help both good players thank you i mean i I mean these have all come from just
1: doing this show really (laughs) i mean just you know and hitting all these things like oh yeah there's a there's a way that games are trying to provide these things and trying to make these distinctions i think the clearer we can be with with people up front i think the better i mean it's just managing expectations right like i think i think the fact that the games don't haven't always done a good job of managing expectations because and this is a shift i think that's largely cultural but i think it's it's technological as well games used to be transmitted primarily by being taught at the table um and now they're primarily picked up um i I would guess like out of the blue somebody actually picks up watches watches a game being played enjoys the experience that they're watching wants to try it and then goes and picks up the game and the only thing they have to go off of is is the rule book and what they've seen and the unfortunate thing about that is that is it's like you know it's like learning something on youtube like you can't ask the person and the person can't like react to your questions and react to your mood or sort of gauge your level of enjoyment and figure out what might make it better for you. So there's a little bit of a disconnect where I feel like games before had this implicit, like, uh, I don't know what to call this. It's, it's it, almost they like- They did have an
0: assumption, yes. Yeah, there's was like uh, a baked in, that, like
1: um, an oral tradition almost baked in as part of the idea that this would be transmitted by a GM and not, and not you wouldn't pick this up out of the blue somebody like got you into it right as a player and then you sort of like understood it as through that lens and then wanted to do it for your friends and then it would spread like that that's generally how it went but like also how
0: i I learned yeah and that was a problem because it was not supported technologically so it's like i i picked up ad and d second edition in this manner like i picked it up in the sense of, I had heard lots of people talk about like enjoyable things that they had experienced while playing, but the group of friends that I started playing with, none of us had played it before. We don't, we, we may have heard of some of the same people talking about it. Like, but none of the people that had actually played it before were there. And we tried to play it roles as written. Oh. It did not work kind of put me off rpgs for a while like i could i could see that i know that there's fun to be had here i don't know how to access it yeah and i i think it is helpful that we have a lot more tools now that are not as heavily gated as they used to be behind like paywalls like you used to have be expected to have something like dragon magazine to tell you how to do this stuff like gming Mm -hmm. best practices or learn from a previous gm and stuff and we can just check that on the internet now like Mm -hmm. you can find like well it's almost an overabundance of this kind of information there's there's too much of it to a degree that it's actually kind of difficult to to parse like what is actually good information what's just like a thousand hours worth of video that is not actually yeah
1: Yeah, right i mean there's there's times where it's like oh here's good advice and then there's times where i i i've heard like the worst gm advice where it's like you know you want to keep your players on edge and like roll dice just to you know freak them out or whatever it's like oh come on (laughs) <laughs> it's like really like we're still doing that shit come on man uh yeah i don't know
2: yeah
1: i get it, it, it hey right, one second hey jonathan is your mic live just checking test we still can't hear you
0: i'm lighting up on our end
1: it was lighting up a second ago it just wasn't doing anything It just i can't hear anything this is
0: weird. Yeah, and it's
1: the thing is, we could hear them before the show started.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. Start talking. Oh, the connection dies.
0: Oh. Um,
1: should we switch servers? Might that help? Yeah, sure. Uh,
0: okay, I'll double-check on Twitch after you change that. Wow. Make sure that it actually still can be heard.
3: My connection is good. Uh, then it drops out.
0: Oh, there you go. Wait, we heard you there. Yep.
3: It's dropping in and out though. Like I'm watching my bars go up and down. Like sometimes my ping is like five thousand and sometimes it's sixty. So Jeez.
0: Okay. Uh, oh. uh, where is the server
3: changer? Am I missing it? Under voice settings. I don't know. I might be able to change it. I don't know if I have permission to. Uh, you
0: should.
3: Wait. Uh region override is that's what we're doing, right? Or should I go east, south? Go or
0: west, I mean, probably west. If you're well, ahead. I think
3: we're already. No, I don't know, maybe this isn't I how you do like it. it. Yeah, you can
2: try this. Go ahead. Even right.
0: when we prepare all of this in advance and we had everything working at the start, it still manages to have, always
2: what happens. yeah, of course.
3: <laughs> did it, I don't know how to use this thing. Did it actually change?
2: I I, yeah, it did. Okay. okay.
1: How's, how's, your, how's your ping now?
3: Well, right now it's showing 80, which is fine, and it's not going up, so we'll right. see how that goes. Assume you heard all of what I just said without any breaks, so we're yeah. probably okay.
0: okay. Yep.
1: We should, get, we should redeploy the bot, though. I think it ate shit when we changed servers. Probably,
3: yeah. yeah.
0: weird but uh, we can hear you for the moment this is good yay
3: then i'll just like there's a few points i wanted to interject and a lot of it doesn't make sense or it's already been said
1: but... <laughs> <laughs> please go please I, go ahead i do want to say no.
3: like like this whole discussion kind of needs the caveats of like um like what the game can do and what uh, just might be more like learning about role-playing games. Like if you could consider like um, a board game etiquette, like a general etiquette, there's like a a role-playing game general etiquette too, which is learned through the games themselves, but it's not necessarily learned through one game. Um, I don't know if, if that sort of jives with how you guys think of it, but I just wanted to sort of surpass the you should talk to your players, which you should. Yeah. Um, you should play the right game, which you should like, these are all things that kind of can lead to like bad experiences before the game even gets a chance to, uh, do its thing. Right. So,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Uh,
3: agreed. Agreed. Which a lot of was already said, uh, in one form or another, No,
1: but, but that's valuable yeah. to, to, to put a flag in though, because there is, there's the idea that, um, you know, you, you there, there's only so much you can do as a designer. Like, but we should still do whatever we could, wherever we yeah. can.
0: Within yeah. reason. There's certain assumptions that are made as well that, you know, especially on, like, the etiquette side of things, for example, like, the assumption that you only control your own character. You can't just, like, start saying what other people's characters start doing for them we don't tend to write that as a rule because it's just assumed that oh nobody's going to do that in their right mind would they
3: but it's really like even that is i get what you're saying like we don't but also some games might so it's it's not a matter of like whether we do or don't but whether the game sort of gives us that info clearly Mm -hmm. Uh, that's very true i think the
2: the focus should really be on what are sort of the maybe common elements that we can talk about of um, like how to approach being a polite player at the table that even if the game doesn't specify what is the the default that there should be sort of a, an approach that a player can take of saying well I should really be conscientious of how everyone is um, like being able to interact with the game and not overstepping my Agency as an individual player.
3: So I it, it occurs to me and, and uh do we have examples of like I think one of the hardest things like we we can have like good play and good players during good play, but like when that line is crossed, is there good tools to bring the game back? I feel like
1: uh I hear what you're saying. Um so here, here's what right, I, guess my, my position on that, or at least how I think about it, like that's when you find out if you have good players or not.
3: Right. Right. That like, is the moment. Yeah. But.
1: So it's like you can't tell actually before then, because it's it's that time when like someone someone actually needs the brakes pulled like for real, mm-hmm. and 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 to the extent that people are socialized correctly. Most people will go like, oh, whoa, okay. Let's, you're having a moment. That's cool. Let me, what do you need? What do you need from us? You know? And that's that's like the thing that if you're conscious and present and not like locked up in your own head with your own, like going through your own stuff, when somebody starts doing that, that's kind of what you do. You kind of jump in and help. And like not everybody has that instinct. And it's not one that I've always had. Like I've had to develop that. And it's, you know, no that's that's a life skill that's present at that moment or not like i don't know that you could intervene at that point effectively except unless everybody at the table has already agreed to something like the next card right or yep. or or had um what was that other version i saw at the um or lines and veils cards which i think is a great version of the x card where you have a like a veil card and a line card where like hey slow down yellow light veil and then if like it gets really gnarly they can go you can go line hard hard no um but i like the uh i like the speed adjustment rather than just the hard no having it as the only option Um, because i feel like there's a there's a softness there that the players can be like hey this might be going too far but you're not going too far yet but it could so i think that's a good thing to i think that's a good that's a good thing to to be able to articulate in such a way that it's kind of like a button press. You know
3: what I mean? I think like, like that's interesting. We kind of, because I'm I'm just looking for examples, right? Yeah. Like, um, because it's worth talking about. And I think something that uh, doesn't get enough credit in this area is LARPs. Like they, there's LARPs that have developed all sorts of like hand signals for like how you're doing. Like where it's like you know the, I'm acting out you know, or I'm expressing myself in a way and I'm showing, like, major emotion, but in reality, like, you know, although there may be bleed, like, you can say, like, slow down, stop, you know, all good. There's hand signals where you can do this, where, uh, you're sort of giving two signals without sort of interrupting, um, and, And uh,
0: this is also based upon the assumption that the person's actually going to feel comfortable doing that, like, If you have somebody who's already kind of uncomfortable, usually the last thing they want to do is bring attention to the fact that they're uncomfortable. Yeah,
3: Right. And this is where we get the crossover between what the game can do and what sort of you kind of have to do, or already the work that needs to be done beforehand, I guess you could say. Um, The table manners, as it were.
1: The table manners are a big deal. Like that's why I put that stuff in ashes because I actually want to set expectations for table manners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like because there's the, you know I I've encountered that enough times in games where there's not it, some people just haven't been socialized for one reason or another. Either either you know through uh, I mean it's not it's never their fault, but it's like they haven't gotten the message. And they don't know really how to conduct themselves so that they fit into situations with other people more or less comfortably. And so like, it, and I'm just, I'm not going, I'm not coming at this from a conform perspective. I'm coming at this from a comfort perspective, which is slightly different, but but I hope the distinction is clear.
0: Um, mm. And it's not necessarily their fault, like the way you were phrasing it is that they, they may not know any better because they've never experienced this. If like, if you have somebody who grew up in like a household where there's like not really proper socialization for the people around them, like, you know, just not great role models kind of thing then they may not have ever learned this in the first place. And this could be a great opportunity for them to learn how to interact with people.
1: Right. But only, but that only, that learning only happens if they know in some sense that they're doing it wrong. I mean, and by that, I mean, like they have to have their actions highlighted and then they have to be shown like what the correct way is like, otherwise it doesn't, there's no connection made, right? Because people can sit in a group and not know that they're doing anything wrong, even though they're not mimicking the people around them. So there's it, like, because because like, you know, when we're being polite to each other, we don't want to highlight the fact that one of us is, is doing something that's making everybody else uncomfortable. It's not, I mean, like you said, right? It's like the last thing you want to do is like, call attention to the fact that you're uncomfortable, but the reason you're uncomfortable, is somebody else is doing something that's making, clearly making everybody else uncomfortable. And it's hard, it's hard to be like, Hey, could you, mm, could you not? There's a something that, Hey, we need to bring this up. And like, especially if it's a friend and there's like a history of this and you haven't brought it up before and suddenly it's a thing. And you know what I mean?
0: There's also the issue that people who tend to have, I'm
1: sorry. No, 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 I'm just saying that I just want to impress upon Listeners, anybody who's listening, there's whole stacks of things like that people bring to the game because it's a social experience. They bring like their 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 cognitive perceptions. They bring their all their socialization and or lack thereof, and like they bring their level of inherent engagement, and all of those things are not. even though but they have like massive
0: effects now yeah the other issue here as well with bringing this up mm-hmm. is if somebody is doing something that's especially aggressive for example yeah. is a major issue because like you know the thing that you would mentioned like people just kind of feeling uncomfortable standing around not doing anything about it like they don't want to bring it up it's like when you see that like the 40 year old woman in walmart throwing a temper tantrum Mm -hmm. nobody's willing to actually say anything about it they just kind of look off to the side they're like um maybe she'll stop and (laughs) even even like the people that are working there like the manager comes up and what do they usually end up doing they they try to give her what she wants to get her to stop Mm -hmm. they 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 literally treat her like a child like an infant that's crying it's like okay well if we give you this maybe you'll stop and all that does is reinforce the behavior again so if this is happening in like your rpg table and you know somebody's doing something that nobody is happy about you do actually need to bring it up to them otherwise they will keep doing it because you keep rewarding them for it even if it's really uncomfortable I, if you don't do something about it it's just going to breed resentment over time like they don't know necessarily that what they're doing is wrong because they keep getting stuff for it it's like every time they throw a tantrum and start yelling at people at the table it's like okay okay uh, just to calm this down we'll we'll let you have the magical item or we'll let your spell work the way that we said it did just that we don't have to deal with this again and it's like you're teaching them to behave like that it it, it sucks and you don't want to have to do it yourself but if you keep placating them and doing the same thing every time they're going to keep learning the same wrong lesson i just have to
3: um like i just i kind of disagree with you um that it just in my opinion they're this is not universal but like they're they're not like acting out to like get their reward or they're probably not acting out to get the reward they're probably acting out because there's something else or there's additional factors that are causing issues and oh. like these things can't necessarily be dealt with in in the moment but like it, no, it might just mean that like stop the game like let's deal with what's going on here
0: yeah i just i don't mean it as in the sense of they're trying to do it to get the reward they're doing it because they don't recognize it's a bad thing because every time that they've done it, they've been given a reward or, you know, something that doesn't, that they don't register as being negative or bad. Like if you...
3: No, but like, I think like, like, this is what I mean. Like I am still disagreeing with you because I I think like most people are conscious of their actions. Wow. and how they affect people and, really? and you know what i mean like
1: no i don't no, most i would people
0: are disagree with that at
3: all. okay um, <laughs> a lot of but people then uh, at the very least i think bad. this is a matter of like again i don't know i i guess i'm just uh wondering if if uh if readjusting and focusing on like how because i still think it's more like uh table issues or or like as opposed to like how the game can help or what we can do in the game am i wrong or or am i off base on that
1: no i think you're right you're bringing us back to actually what we can talk about in terms of design but where what Kat and i are hung up on is there are we we need to outline the territory of what it's just impossible for us to handle as designers
3: well yeah but also we just have to bump into it yeah we will
0: yeah you're right i I think in general like people have blind spots like that's just kind of the thing like as humans in general this is definitely relevant for like all of game design is that as humans we really suck at seeing our own flaws we're good at seeing the flaws in other people We're good at seeing the flaws in other people's positions. We're not good at seeing the flaws in our own positions or our own actions, because if we saw the flaws in them, we usually wouldn't do the flawed thing. There are exceptions to that, but for the most part, like we don't usually know what we're doing wrong, just as a general trend.
1: Most people would not act the way they act if they knew that it had the impact it had, in my opinion. That that seems to be the case. Like, as, as, as someone who used to act very different than the way I do act now, like, and there being a change, and the quality of my life being different, like, there's, now that, you know, when I see people that are stuck in, 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 projecting their shadow onto other people it's it's clear it's very clear like now like the, where, where their anger there is coming from where their sadness is coming from where like there's it, it that there's an, a, a, an emotional reaction that's a, a, a blind spot come, that's coming from a blind spot because if you asked them they would not tell you that that's something that's a part of them, and and this is for these cases. Obviously, there's going to be reasons to be angry at people that don't that aren't that aren't this. But I'm talking. Cat and I are talking about repetitive behavior that is a continual manifestation of some some unconscious thing that's not being highlighted because it, it's the kind of thing where it's like. This is, you know, people, and this really, you know, to me, this is not a thing that happens at conventions and at one-offs and stuff like that. Kat and I are talking about, I think, and correct correct me if I'm wrong, I think we're talking about like long-term groups where assumed behaviors that were just sort of like, Mm -hmm. we can handle this and we can absorb this and it gets to be too much and like the resentment builds at some point. And yeah, yeah.
0: It is uh, like, I've played with like a number of people, myself included to a degree in this as well, Mm -hmm. that have blind spots in terms of say their, their social cue recognition. Mm -hmm. Like I've had people that they, there's just certain social cues they will not pick up on. You have to like manually stop everything and explain to them what's going on because it will go right over their head they will not even recognize it and it's not like a horrible flaw but yeah you do have to actually mention it to them
3: and if i could sort of interject on that like i think that it's better and more important to whatever the issue that you're so-called rewarding like, don't is the right thing to do, but but take it out of the game context, too. Like, uh, yeah. like if it's come to the point where it's untenable, stop the game, explain, and restart. Don't, like, instead of giving it to them, like, don't punish them, right? Like, don't, you know, take something away from their character or kill them or whatever right, the case right, may right, be. Right, right,
1: Yeah. Yes, that's very important to note, too, because that has... <laughs> for some reason at some point that got introduced as a thing you do you punish people in game for stuff they did out of game um well uh, i i think
3: yeah. yeah early on i'm guessing yeah 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 but i i wonder if we can um because we're kind of talking about like bad players and like i wonder if we can go from like just talking about players to trying to make them better players Um, And what I'm kind of thinking about is uh, or maybe we could define like aspects of players that make them good players and then we can sort of look at how in game design we can get players to that point.
1: I think that's
2: a very worthwhile vector. to explore. Yeah, Yeah. I think even just to build off the conversation that we're just having, I think a lot of this has to do with building that sort of emotional intelligence of being able to care for other people at the table. being able to share the spotlight, being able to respect boundaries and consent, um, and I think it's a lot of that is can be enforced with the game rules themselves, where you try to say there might be a limit to how much a single person can um, possess uh, the action or sort of the the again that spotlight um, or to what extent an individual player can really dictate the actions of the group or of uh, other players. And I think all of that can build uh, a more, uh, what is the word I'm looking for, Uh, constructive whole, like a a, uh, cooperative, like a, I don't know, that, that sort of synergy that you're looking for from all the players being able to feed off of each other collaborative yeah
0: there is actually one thing that i actually just wrote down for a note myself which was it's sort of similar to share the spotlight but it's it's more based on um the player interaction which is for the players look like pay attention while you're playing if there's somebody at the table who doesn't tend to say very much on a regular basis, but they start to say something for some reason, like they're, they're role-playing or they have a question or something for the players themselves, watch for the, the players that don't tend to say a lot. And if they do start to say something, try to avoid interjecting over top of them. Try to avoid like, um, talking over them if they start to say something try to encourage them to say it like interact with them like if they do something see what your character can do in relation to theirs it's not just sharing the spotlight because if you just say share the spotlight like the average person that is you know not not a not a bully but you know the the kind of very energetic person that they just tend to be the center of attention naturally, Mm -hmm. they're going to think they are sharing the spotlight. If you specifically guide them towards looking for the people that they can share the spotlight with, it'll probably work better, but this is just off the top of my head, I don't know how effective that would be. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: I think that's a great tip, great piece of advice to just hold onto is to be conscious of who's not speaking up at the table and how can I get their engagement? Or um, even just in terms of if there are different characters, there are different goals for each of the people that are participating, how can I make sure that these people achieve their goal in an interesting and satisfying way? Mm. And if you're taking on that role as like not the game master itself, but as sort of supporting the game master who is trying to help all of these players achieve that goal, I think that becomes a better story for everyone at the table.
0: I partially mechanized that. <laughs> of course.
2: I I think um, there, there,
1: there's something to be said for that, right? Because if you ask there's um, uh, Sabrina mentioned in chat teamwork mechanics, right? Where there's where mm-hmm. there's something where you if you're doing something and the game encourages you to to work together or has um you know, one of the best one of the best versions of this is Dungeons and Dragons fourth edition has one of the best synergistic combat game bits you know modules however that works it's it's really fun to play those characters together right there's mm. there's cool synergies that happen when you like sort of like everybody's sort of aware of each other's builds and like what you what your capabilities are and like you kind of build towards being a team like all kinds of cool shit can happen um, yeah and, and and it's really good at doing that and one of the things that <clears throat> one of the things that that that's a benefit that's gleaned from that kind of design is that you have a de facto sh- spotlight sharing rotation right where everybody's kind of building off each other and doing something cool and everybody feels a part of a team and and they get that really good core engagement that we're, they're looking for um, it's harder to do in softer systems right so like um
0: there's no mechanics to play off of
1: yeah there's there's partially that i think you know the uh the way the way power by the apocalypse does it with holds is probably as simple as you can get and still have it work even though holds are pretty f- still pretty fuzzy um but you know passing off um net yeah, plus ones or bonus die or however, however that your particular game conceptualizes it as, as a, as a teamwork benefit. I mean, if you don't have that, I I have to question why, you know, like what, what the design intent is of leaving out uh, cooperative synergy.
0: Well, a lot of it comes down to an issue of building it with the cooperative thing in mind, like also how you expect combat to flow like since players can only really control their own character it's easy to get into the mindset of well i have to give them all the tools as if it was a single player game to do the thing so like in my game i've set it up so that like a lot of combat is based around the concept of apply status effects then exploit status effects mm-hmm. there are weapons and classes and such that benefit from status effects they can't apply. Mm-hmm. So it by default it basically means that like either A you gather up different tools so that you can apply it yourself, or B you get an ally to do it for you. Right. Same same thing, like the combo system like you build up combo points everybody can now use them right. so you there's like I'm going to be setting up like the the maestro class kind of the bard and related stuff around that will be based on the idea of they're really good at setting up other players they're not very good at doing much themselves directly they just set it up so that other characters mm-hmm. can do stuff better
1: yeah that's a, and that's a way we can design good play into into games right where where we have um mechanics that are necessarily social when you use them and, and are asking engagement like they what they do is they ask another player to engage with you mm-hmm. right because that's that's kind of where we're going like you want you want to be able to uh have a game that invites. That, oh no! Let me put it a different way. You you want mechanics that are like that are. are hmm, what, what do they do exactly? They're mechanics that help players <laughs> invite other players to play with them. Yeah. So it's right. like, here's here's this here's this mechanic, and what it does is it is it is it extends an invitation to another player to engage a little deeper with the game, on your on your action whatever your action is conceptualized as in the game like spell or attack combo or tactic or whatever the fuck you do um, yeah that's interesting I think I think the you know because a lot of teamwork mechanics are basically like hey if somebody's there with you get a plus one to your die but there's no actual like engagement on that other player's part there's like the fact no. that you're present is nice uh, but there's no like they have to do something or there's no, you know, I think uh, blaze in the dark does it where they, there's an investment on that player's part because they can be affected by the outcome of the role, but I'm not sure that it's really and the, the benefit is that the highest skilled dude, I think, sets the, uh, is the dude who actually makes the role. But yeah. Anyway. I actually, I was getting
0: at is the also, like, part. yeah,
3: Go ahead. yeah. yeah. In, an, in assist, it's like, here's my help and we share the consequences mm-hmm. in a group action it's like one person rolls no everyone rolls best role is used but uh the leader takes the stress right okay yeah that's right yeah. thank mm-hmm. you yeah
0: no i was actually going to point out that like what sabrina was saying is a really good example is like teamwork in anime in combat like they'll pick up an enemy and throw it to another Mm -hmm. another character to do something with it like they'll actually have like combos together like if you look at say the Disgaea video game that one has multiple characters actually working together like you can actually have multiple characters string together a series of attacks and they get better because they're strung together Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's the kind of thing that probably would be good to build more towards well, obviously, cause I'm trying to do that, but I, I don't think it just because that's my personal preference. I think it's more so that guiding players to work together so that they want to work together, not just, oh, you get the plus one bonus, but I have done something, but it's incomplete. You have the other half of this. It's laying right there in front of you. I'm not going to force you to do it, but it's right there. Mm -hmm.
3: So I'm curious in the, because I I have an idea in my head, but I don't want to say anything because actually my knowledge of like an extended amount of games is kind of limited. Like I know some about some games, but I don't know much about a lot of games. But like, we can we know the rough history of RPGs and we know like um original D&D sort of created a certain type of player not universal but there's a certain type of player and we all think that we know that type of player <laughs> which we might or might not um some
1: of us used to be that type
3: of player yeah some of us used to be that some of us yeah grew up in the those systems but um but i'm curious like in your minds and obviously it's with the games that you know like what were game changing moments in the sense of this game or group of games created i'm gonna say better players because that's what we're we're saying but it might not even be better but like maybe it's more like uh, substantially changed players or created a new type of player even, like that maybe wasn't, that was looking for a home. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm.
0: That's-
1: okay, That's I just,
3: interesting like, interesting I just threw that out there without you guys sort of having time to think about it. So yeah. I'll, huh. I'll say, and and yeah. with the caveat of like, again, limited amount of games, but, but I do think like that apocalypse mm-hmm. world did like break the mold in this sense, and 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 for sure it was like an accumulation of like different designers and games and and uh, experiences that were happening like all through the early two thousands, mid two thousands, and sort of culminated into something. And I'm sure other things existed, uh, or do exist before that kind of do the same thing. But I think this is where like large buy in happened uh, for this style of play. Um, and i have trouble expressing what changed like on a specific level but like i think it's clear that style of play changed in in those moments um at least moments in the sense of looking back
1: i mean uh, the, the the fiction first thing is as i think what what was the big shift there because you had, mm-hmm. you had you, the, the the fact that you're not looking to the character sheet first to figure out what you want to do is a big frame change. Like the fact that you're saying what you're doing, you're saying what you're doing, you're saying what you're doing and oh, you triggered a role. Not let's see, here's the situation. Okay, let me look at my character sheet to see what skills I want to use on the environment. Right. It's a different approach mm-hmm. completely. So that I mean that's that's the that's the sea change. That I think you're, you're you're grasping at. I think that's what it is. I I I mean if it's not that it's related to that.
3: I think so too and I I was just honestly a little hesitant to use it in case you know no one agreed with me but I, I do think it's the fiction first I just don't want to say that you know they invented something right like that's no, what I right. want to be careful of but I think it's when like the wide scale buy-in started to happen
1: well they, they put a name on it but the thing is is like that's how I mean a lot of us ran games like that in the first place yeah yeah you know, where
3: we're like we're going and especially when we get in the groove and we're going and going and going and they're, and then we're like, whoa, 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 whoa hold up. Like yeah.
1: okay, we need about, to, yeah, yeah. that's
3: a role, Like, okay, what is it? Oh, I think it's this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's when you're, they, they all, the all, I mean, what Apocalypse World did was they put a tag on the the better way to engage with the story and then defined a little bit of that parameter and then put the role in the logical place in that chain. Like there was, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the tables I were I, I was at where I would call them good, like good sessions, good tables were, were doing that. It wasn't called that because there wasn't a distinction between mechanics first and fiction first. So it's like, it, it's, it's it, it, you know, putting, putting the name on it and saying like, this is how we do it. And this is why we do it like this. And, you know, putting, Giving it giving it a um a more concrete formulation it, you know allows players to have that sort of ground now they're like oh now i know what the steps are and why the steps are the steps instead of just like this is the way everybody's doing it when it feels good and right. that's th- I, I i feel like that's that's the major thing it's like putting putting the putting the name on it like this is oh, we're doing it fiction first what Okay, what does that mean? Okay, it means we're talking until until something happens where we don't know where there's uncertainty or drama and now we don't we don't know what the outcome is and we, we're going to rely on a randomized outcome and go from there. But it's not you go into a room, tell me what you do. Okay, that's going to require a perception test. That's going to require a disable device. That's going to require search roll. That's going to require no I don't know whatever your your gateway yeah. skill is you know to the to the the difference is, the difference is putting the mechanic in front of the fun or putting the mechanic in the middle of the fun it's like do yeah. you, you put the mechanic in such a way that you gate fun behind it and like here roll to have a, have a good time and if you fail go fuck yourself or <laughs> you say let's talk until like something crazy happens and then like one of three crazy things is going to happen after that but like it's the game's going to keep going and like you know that, you know, having having that chart, I think is just is was a little bit of a comfort zone thing because I feel like Apocalypse World can be distilled down to like a very simple principle if you like the seven plus ten plus, and then like get one thing good, get two things good, avoid a bad thing, like that's that seems to be like the general formula, and um, but putting the six minus there is key because it says this is not failure. This is literally learning opportunity. I think the original formulation goes XP, right? And then like, so you don't fail, you learn and the story goes forward. And that's a different formulation as well. So like two different things happen. Like there's the fiction first where you're not putting the mechanic in front of the thing the player wants to get to. And then you're you're conceptualizing a quote-unquote bad role as being the thing that one grants experience and two um is not a is not a um, failure point on on the story so it it doesn't like you never hit a brick
3: wall there it just has something crazy happens so do we kind of feel like that's I, i i know what i feel but it would is there like a large agreement that that is and it's okay if there's not like makes has made better players like is, is that something that we're cause it's definitely made different players either but do we think that's better
1: i say i say i i mean in my opinion it codified what good players were already doing and like good gms were already doing mm-hmm. I don't, I, but you know to the extent I, that people copy that they may have more fun and if they do that that's better
3: yeah
0: i yep. think another mechanic that was that's related to that is the idea of don't roll until something interesting can happen from it. Like you don't roll for things that Mm -hmm. if you succeed or fail, nothing changes. Then it's like, don't bother rolling for it Like, like once you have stakes behind things as uh, Sabrina was saying, like don't roll unless there are stakes. Like if, if nothing bad can happen, if not, if nothing interesting can happen, then just carry on i mean that that has changed in subtle ways how i think players think about the game in general Mm -hmm. like not not just the players but gm as well for setting up the game but also the players for like they tend to just try to position themselves into a situation more often now where interesting things can happen because like by default if you were just gonna roll constantly until oh i got a good roll something interesting happens because i got a natural 20. and it's like oh well that means that it's not really on the onus is not on the players to do anything interesting by default like they just muddle about until they get a good roll and then something interesting happens by setting it up so that You only really do the rolling when there's potential for interesting things to happen. The players trend towards trying to put themselves into a position where something interesting can happen by themselves, regardless of the role. It's like they're more likely to try to do crazy and interesting things. Like, I know I keep going back to it, but I like the phrase, I suplex the dragon, (laughs) because it's like... It doesn't matter what you roll in this situation, something's going to happen that's (laughs) going to be interesting. Like this is a situation where the player has positioned themselves into doing something interesting because it has to be interesting. It can't not be interesting. Even if you fail the roll, it's like something, something interesting is going to happen here. It has to, it would be really awkward if it didn't like you don't just miss right <laughs>
1: yeah right. yeah exactly yeah the, the whole the whole like the whole miss versus something something yeah okay i think we're good on that point
2: i yeah i'll um yeah, Please I'll elaborate. build on that but so i agree with Catrice. i think there's also um in terms of like jonathan's earlier question i think it doesn't necessarily instantly mean that they're better players. But I think that, like what Rob was saying, codifying it really does highlight the qualities that the game wants from the players. Whereas I think a lot of previous titles didn't have that codified and it was very vague. Um, so I think having that set of instructions for a player or, or the game masters on how to run the game, I think really does bring out the qualities that I think make it easier for everyone at the table to play. I'm not saying that that's the only way, um, but it is something that I know I personally like and it sounds like a lot of us like. Um, And in terms of is that like the be-all and end-all, I don't think so. I think there's still improvements to be made or other directions to take what makes good players. And I think I couldn't point to a specific game, but even the idea of the GM-less games, um, I think have been a great instructor on how players can be engaged or how to help players be engaged in the game um, by distributing what the action of the game is, who, who is dictating the action of the game. So in my own experience, just with something like The Quiet Year, where anyone's turn is actually developing the game in a way that has, I think, opened up the table so that everyone's participation is important and it does affect you. Um, and I think that does build engagement where everyone's paying attention to each other because you're all on this equal footing of constructing something together, um, as opposed to one player who's generally seen as like the arbiter or the, the main narrator who's helping everyone else construct that story. Um, so that's also a way of mechanizing that um, participation or that sharing of the spotlight that I think did a really good job of it.
0: I actually want to expand upon something you said, Mark, Mm because I think you were very close to something, but I, it's the idea of basically codifying best practices is essentially what you were saying, right? Mm -hmm. And I think specifically what it's doing is it's raising the skill of the lowest end players, like players with low skill at role playing and raising them up towards the higher players easier. But it's not really raising the skill of the higher end players. So like it, it, Mm -hmm. it's, it's making it easier for the people that are just starting out. They don't know what they're doing. It's, it's getting them to the same level of fun that the players that have been playing for years have already been able to attain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the stairway to the higher skill floor, as Sabrina said, is probably a better way to put it. Yeah,
1: yeah, that, that, uh, yeah, I agree. I, it, uh, you know, it's not necessarily like for, yeah, for me, fiction first wasn't particularly a revelation because we had already, already like, been doing it. Yeah. We'd already been doing it. It's like, oh yeah, that's what we, that's what we do. Okay. I guess that's a name, but like that's i mean there were games that were very much fiction like riddle of steel is very much a fiction first game even though it doesn't have that verbiage anywhere in it right so like you know fights only happen when they're triggered they're not you can't you can't roll up to some dude and say i attack it doesn't work like that um so so there's that like the way skills are also very very similar it's like they're they're triggered by by an action you take um Trying to think if there's an exception to that, that I'm that I'm misremembering, but no, generally speaking, that's how they work. So, I mean, and and the the gameplay that it facilitated was very felt very much like the the Power by the Apocalypse games I played and Fortune of the Dark. So like it wasn't it wasn't a big like there were, I was already shading into that in some sense because there was like, we were already running games that were that were pretty much Going in that in that direction, it just wasn't like a, a named thing. But like when people showed up and played with us, that's how we introduced it to them. Like, it's role playing. Here's what you do. Just say what you do, and then if you if we need to refer to the rules, we'll tell you. Right. You know, oh, and that okay. that's fiction first. That is fiction first role playing, right? So, it's 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 um, it yeah, like world of the Rings with dice, yeah, exactly. But but it's like you say what you do you get to control your character and your actions completely and then you react to other stuff and then we tell you you know this guy tells you what happens and and if if you need to if you're doing something that's like it might not work then we roll dice and then that's that was more or less how we explained it to anybody that had never played an RPG before that landed in our laps so it was um and generally speaking like i would say that worked about 75% of the time like there are some people obviously that just had no, there was no frame of reference, so they couldn't. Like fantasy was like like actually like imaginative fantasy was something that was like off the plate for them. Like, like okay, they've never done that before at all. And other people were like, oh, okay, cool, and then jumped right in and it was no pro- no problem. And there was like, okay, so you'll tell me the rules, and I don't have to read the book. Great, awesome, Bye. cool, I can do that. So.
3: Yeah, I was just thinking of like an analogy for like we're trying to explain how games sort of quote create better players. Um but like I think that uh like games are like creating a lubrication between all the players. And and sometimes we're separating in discussion like GM and slash player, but like, you know, GM as player and players. Um like the, it creates a lubrication and one thing like I'd like to add to that is um that I noticed that is really helpful doing this is uh in blades in the dark um is defining your sort of uh not role but your actual um what you get to decide and what no one else gets to decide for you like, I guess it's your powers. I, I can't remember how they write it. But um, but it creates this uh, conversation uh, in the moment uh, where you, you get to decide how you do something as a quote player and, like, the GM kind of decides what are the implications of how you do it. So that's, like, uh, effect and risk and all that stuff. Right, right. Um, and so it's, like, if you really want to you know, wreck. like the, the GM could, you know, they can't really say, ah, it doesn't really sound like that's what you're trying to do. And you're like, no, but really that's what I want to use. And then it's like, okay, but <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be desperate. and it's going to have limited effect. And you're like, okay, but, but that back and forth creates like one, it creates an understanding of what the action and at least maybe not the exact outcome, but like the possibility of like a bad outcome or a really bad outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's already like predetermined to a certain degree, uh, which some people may or may not like, but, but it is like a, it creates a conversation or a negotiation even, um, that helps sort of alleviate some of those possible tensions. Mm -hmm. But I actually don't think that a lot of people engage with it that way. Um, I see. I've when I listen to actual plays, they're often like they're still taking GM direction. It's like, oh, it sounds like you're you're doing this, and and it may be that they are based on their description. That's what they're doing, but like it's maybe not what they wanted.
2: Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. When I run Blades of the Dark, I have encountered that too, where it's like, uh, well, you know, usually hmm, there's there's two things that happen that are kind of different, but but one of them is, is what you just described. So the f- first thing is like, uh, you know, they'll just hit an action. I'll be like, oh, that's a, you know, sounds like you're trying to wreck the lock instead of yeah. like, it, pick it, right? And yeah. they go, yeah, I am using your, I'm using I'm using a crowbar. I just want to rip it off the hinges. I'm like, okay, it's going to be loud. So, and they go, cool. And I go, great. And that's fine. Um, yeah. And, but sometimes what will happen the other thing that happens is that the the player is looking at the character sheet first and 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 going for like I got three dice in X let me just throw that at everything I do and I that's not really how blaze in the dark is supposed to work it is supposed I mean because because the mechanics are like way more forgiving than most mechanics are it it it, it exists, you know, the way it's supposed to be played is like you're supposed to describe what you do and then the, the, the action the dice, the action which is synonymous with the skill, sorry guys is is what you described you're not supposed to say, I wreck the lock you're supposed to describe, I grab a crowbar and pry it in the lock, but players in my experience, about 50%, I would say maybe even higher than that, will, will do the first thing because they're they're habituated to to look at the character sheet and like that decides their their fictional choices.
0: You know, right. I've I've actually tried to bark around that being a problem. Mm-hmm. And there's two main things that I've found that seem to have barked with that. The first of which is simply giving more options for players, giving them more skills that are more spread out like if you have um like if you have a game which is set up so that characters are extremely specialized like there's only one or two things they're good at if all you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail right so if you build the character design in such a way that the characters are more well-rounded by default so that they have more different skills that they can use in different situations, then just by default, this becomes less of a thing because it inherently has to be. It's not like they're just looking, what do I have the most points in? It's like, I have six different things that I'm good at. Okay. I can probably figure out something that I can use in a situation and It kind of works in reality as well, because that's just inherently how people tend to solve problems. It's like, well, I'm not very good at doing this thing, but I'm good at doing this other thing. So when I run into a situation, I'm probably going to try to use the thing I'm actually good at. Mm -hmm. So it kind of more plays up to how play like the players themselves solve problems in their own lives, Mm -hmm. like going against um, natural human inclination does not work. If you try to teach the players to not do what they do naturally, you are going to lose. Yeah.
1: That's a, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Just as designers. Like if you, like, if you go up against player intuition and your rules don't support player intuition, you're, you're the wrong one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, let's say that again, if your rules, so support, Don't support the player's intuition. The design is bad. That's, it, that's the definition of bad design. Cause the players go, oh, it makes way more sense if it's like this. And then you go, yep. yeah, but my design is X and you, they go, then and we're, we're changing do, the game. Yeah. Circles. We're not going to use it. Like, yeah. <laughs> so,
0: um, so there is a second part that mm-hmm. second part is that the emphasis for the game that i'm working on is specifically to make it so that most of the time you are either if you're doing something that's not a challenge to your skills then you don't roll for it if you are doing something that's going to be difficult you're probably not going to have the skills for it no matter how high they are therefore the issue is that players What I've discovered is that the players don't tend to look for what their highest skill is because their highest skill isn't necessarily going to give them a huge advantage. Like it will give them an advantage, but it basically guides the players more into stacking the benefits in their favor. Like I want to do this action. This action is more complicated than I can actually succeed at by default, how can I actually go about doing other things that will make it so that the action I want to take becomes a guaranteed success? And it just basically is like, if I'm good at a skill, then I don't have to go as far out of my way to stack things in my favor as all. Well. But it doesn't stop the players from... Going out of their way to be like, oh well, I need to do three separate things instead of two to be able to succeed at this. So I'm just going to do three separate things.
2: Hmm. It's very interesting. I um, I know that we had like a few different um, ways that we wanted to tackle this topic. Oh yeah. Um, I'm wondering if there were. Um, like ways that we approach this in our games that we haven't touched on yet. Actually, that is that is that's
1: pretty good. That we have actually hit all four other things. You just said the the fifth thing. Nice. Good job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, why? How do we do this in our games? Well, I mean, Sabrina already posted this, the stuff I do. So, I mean, I I feel like I'm spoken for. Like, I have I have. Stuff in the beginning how i do this that was the last edition but i'm probably good to keep all that stuff i don't think any of that's going to change that's pretty that's, for as far as the guide it goes like i want them to read that the player facing stuff is going to be a little bit
2: different although you know they have access to the book so it's not going to be a big deal
1: um but they'll be introduced to the safety mechanisms and those principles like on page two of the So, um, yeah, it, you know, no, I, I guess just know those principles, um, and and communicate them. For me,
2: like, so is is that a section that you think you want? Because I would say that in most role playing games that I've played, there's generally one person who's actually read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any way that that gets distributed to the individual players, or are you expecting not really? Yes. That is the
1: okay. <laughs> yeah, no, for me, yes. The the guidebook's oh, you're it, yeah, in my in my in my game, yes, the guidebook ha- has those principles laid, laid out and explained, and then in the player book, their playbook, which you know, is like a little booklet type thing, um, it is also in there. So this is part of the this is part of how you conduct this ritual. There's there's things you do and don't do in the circle. So, um, and supporting other players is something you do, and um, deliberately
3: pushing their buttons
1: is not. Awesome.
3: Yeah. I'm gonna cut in, because I have a good connection right now. Yay. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I I and I don't have like a specific project worth mentioning as a project, but I have been doing writing on one or two things and i've just noticed in myself like like so everything we discuss like i largely follow those principles especially when we're talking about typical uh gm slash player games um but one thing i'm trying to really focus on in in my wording is like how uh you're a a team like it's the the group of players together is a team. Like, everyone inclusive of that comment. Like, GM players, everyone, it's a team. And, um, and then within that, uh, just stating, like, what uh, you're trying to do. Like, who are you playing for? Like, are you playing just for yourself? Are you playing for the other people who are also playing? Um, you know, what is your... If you are playing for everyone, like, what is the purpose of you know what i mean like playing for everyone um so that that's i'm just sort of like focusing my writing in that direction like so that um at least in in uh the context of the game text uh hopefully players um sort of get a little uh, extra support about how play is supposed to Work if that makes sense sort of beyond what maybe they've done in the past like how you play with people matters
2: What do you mean by how you play with okay, so like I just sorry,
3: I guess I mean um, The perspective of you and your character isn't the only perspective you should be thinking of right and I guess the specific language that I'm using is team uh, to to help accomplish that.
2: Awesome. I really like that. I think the the focus on like being part of a greater collective is what you're saying, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And it's not like you're a team and like, oh well, who do we play? I mean, we're just a team trying to accomplish a thing.
2: Great. I I guess I,
3: yeah. Same way as a team like a project team that's, you know, developing software. They're a team, but they're not really a team in the sense of a challenge against, you know, someone else.
2: I feel like that's the best way of doing it, is to try to unify everyone on what their goal is, not only in terms of, like, characters, I guess, but as players, and that if everyone's there to tell a great story, or again, putting that fiction first, or if they have that that overarching sense of, we're, we're working together, um, that that's really the, the driving idea of playing. And I think that brings people to being better players, being more connected to each other, and having more of that sense of empathy to everyone else at the table.
0: Yeah,
3: hopefully. <laughs>
2: right. Um, I know that that's something that I wanted to do with the, the way that I approached it with Praxis was just to have um, sort of just a, a small section about etiquette of play. So I had three main things that I had listed for myself, which was just respect each other, share the spotlight, and let everyone play. Um, and I went into the details of that and how to express words of hate, how to talk about safety mechanics. And it's just one page of the, the textbook that's dedicated to it, or a rule book. Um, but it was just enough that I think... You've been in school too long. I know, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> my brain. Um, but I think it's enough that um, if... Even if this is read by just the, the Game Master alone, um, and I, I do put it in the Game Master section now, um, I think it's enough that if that's the person who's... Um, organizing the game, that hopefully that sets the precedent for everyone else. Um, But if it's not, if everyone does get to read this, I think that's the idea that everyone should be approaching the game with Mm -hmm. is that idea of being able to to work collaboratively. Um, Yeah. Um,
1: Okay. I'm going to answer a question, Sabrina, threw into the chat. Uh, She said, I'm curious about if there are any real experiences brought on on that, or how you came about that section, so I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about the uh, the optimal conditions section that you we, you posted earlier. Um, how did it come about without trying to help that store player to find a good player from working on the game? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I suppose it's just been it's been a been been a thing of like just reading a whole bunch of different. Safety mechanics and session zeros, and my own personal experience of um, failing to set expectations, such that everybody knew what was happening, and um, also, and also from the experience of being a player that didn't didn't always extend mutual respect to people, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the the idea that like that I had. A, at one point a a something in a, a framework in my head that was a correct way of doing role-playing games right which is not something i have anymore but it's something i once had and i understand that perspective and because i have i i don't i wouldn't say i've lost that perspective it's just integrated into a into a different whole and so i want to be cognizant of that and and i suppose putting that section in the front of ashes is my way of sort of poking the people that were like me and or and and have a, uh, an idea in their head that there's a correct way to do this mm-hmm. and um that that means that i you know i I, the idea of extending and that's part of it is is how i built the game too because there's not i built the game i'm building the game in, in with intending for there to be no optimal character build right for there to be a foliation of pathways that players can go down and because the complexity is based on foliation it's not a it's not they're not like a list of build choices. Um, there's going to be different, different capabilities at the end of each of those foliations, but each of those things should be equally valid in their own way. So it's not it's not that I'm trying to um, homogenize what the player's capabilities are, even though that that can result in that because you can build you can build a troop where you have a person that's good at just about everything that's totally possible um but if they're ever alone they might be caught out that's totally and that's a that's a fun story to play out right like they're you know the the person who's not who doesn't have their sea legs is the one who has to sail across the ocean right like that's 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 drama so but but in 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 designing in the kind of thing that that there's no optimal strategy because there's only your choices and their consequences. And it there's, there's not, there's not an end point with a, um, with a predetermined valid path to get to it. Like I'm not even, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to even instantiate an endpoint like at, at the outset. So, To that extent, I'm trying to level the playing field, not in terms of capability, but in terms of what players are going to pursue. Like, it should be... I would like a game, you know, ideally, it should support a player who wants to um, play a mostly political game and it it should support a player that wants to mostly pull off heists. And it should do those roughly equally well until they come to a crisis and then they realize that like, you know, neither of those two things is going to get them out of this. And then they like they have to come together and do something different. But that's Mm -hmm. why, why it's a crisis, right? So like the skills they have are lacking in order to deal with the insurmountable problem. Ergo, it's everybody's problem. Um, but that's you know that's that's another example of the way my my structure forces cooperation at some point. Even if you want to tell your own story, it's 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 I don't say forces cooperation. No, it kind of does. I, I it, it it does force it because it's it is saying like yeah this matters to everybody. It doesn't I, force participation. Uh so you can't you can you can, you know, if if you want <laughs> I mean, and this is the right. thing. It's like I do. I do leave the possibility open for a player to go like, no, I still don't care, and like, but then that's it's non-participatory, yeah.
2: right? It's like, right? Okay. Um, yeah, very strongly encouraged participation with everyone yeah. else. team. I mean, yeah.
1: e- e- even even like like Sabrina said, like like the the non-participation is even mechanized. Like I <laughs> there's I have I have a thing called apathy that goes up when you do that, but like it's not right. It's um, and you can do you can do that all the way to the bottom. You can just like I just no 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 I want to focus on this thing over here, and you know when a crisis comes up that's fine. Not my problem, and you can see where where, where that story goes. Like that's that should be a valid thing too, even though that that I I would advise that that pro- that story is probably not pretty for a good chunk of it. Like <laughs> probably bad things are gonna. Happen. That's fine. I I want I want to, the game should be able to play that out and handle it,
2: like, I hope. Uh, yeah, yeah. Chat. What about you? Any any other ways that um, you find that your game encourages good player behavior?
0: Fair number. Um, in particular, I'd say things like how I've set up like my conversation mechanics like specifically like um social combat in the sense that like it only shows up mechanically if you're actually trying to convince somebody to do something that they don't want to do like otherwise you don't need it for that but it's not like just roll the number and you succeed or fail i tried to con struck it more so, so that it's like, here's how you would actually have a conversation. Like here are the broad general, um, segments or steps that you would take during a conversation because like, I have played with a one player that had like full blown Asperger's and they were trying to play a very charismatic bard it did not go well in the game that they were playing so i tried to actually build the system in such a way that if such when they ever play my game it'll actually guide them through the steps in such a way that they'll actually learn a little bit more of how a conversation actually happens. <laughs> because, like, the normal way, like, most games do this is, like, oh, just role play it out. And it's like, that's not helpful if they don't know how to do that. Yeah. So shouldn't the system in the game be scaffolding to show them how to do this? And then they can just fill in the blanks because, like, a player that's just playing by the rules mechanically should look at least somewhat similar to somebody who's playing intuitively. Hmm. Like they should sort of line up to some degree.
1: Hmm. That's an interesting point. Players that are playing mechanically. Yeah, I think I've yeah yeah I, I that's an interesting way of formulating that. Yeah, I I think I've I said something like that before it was like players that are like power gaming and the players that are like story gaming should be roughly indistinguishable, Hmm. like the ones that are like really like driving hard into their story and the ones that are driving really hard into like their, their, their powerful mechanics. Like ideally those, those should be like very similar, but I like the way you put it like that, like a player that's playing intuitively and players playing like towards the mechanics should be about the same. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm.
0: Or at least they should at least be recognizable like one to another like they mm-hmm. they should look similar like they may not be exactly but you know yeah. it it should be that you recognize them as they're playing the same game kind of thing mm-hmm. not like these two different players are doing two completely yeah. separate things that have nothing in relation to one another despite that they're using the same mechanics of the same game presumably in the same way it's like okay there's there's something kind of weird going on there that
2: that is, some of the feedback that I got from Praxis uh, was that one of the sessions I played, one player was definitely playing more on the mechanic side and the other player was playing on the story side. And both of them got to have an incredibly rewarding experience from it. And mm. the, the player who was trying to power game felt stronger than the other player who was trying to tell the story. But at no point did they get in each other's way, they just got to each tell the story that felt great. and. Um, that was nice for me to see that they were both playing the same mechanics, same game, playing the same party, but just with a different focus and it, it worked out for them. So, but
0: yes, strangely enough, one, probably, I don't know for certain, but I'd say possibly the best player I've, I've played with had this really odd habit of they were very story focused. It's just their characters always wound up being extremely um, power game ish Mm. Because, like, the way they had their characters was, like, they usually played a character that it's like, oh, yeah, this character likes being the best at this. Like, they they really want to be, like, I will be the best swordsman in the world. I will find a way to to accomplish my goals kind of thing, right? Because... That was the kind of thing that they enjoyed doing, but it meant they played very heavily into the story, but their characters usually wound up being exceedingly more powerful than anybody else's if they happened to be in a game that was very Mm mechanics-heavy. So I've tried to set this up in such a way that I actually want to appeal to this player because I, I want it to be such that players who are trying to play as mechanics heavy, like they're trying to be like the power gamer, by default, they should necessarily basically wind up playing a character that is very story focused, whereas somebody who's playing a very story focused character. Also by necessity, almost should wind up with a character that's relatively competent like i don't want it to be in such a way that you have a character that oh well it's in character for them to do this i'm going to play them this way and it's like okay you're completely useless in combat it's like this you shouldn't be playing the character in a way that you want to play the character that makes them unplayable like that should not be a dead end,
1: right? Right. Like if the if it if it if you're opening that possibility in the game, right, then it, it should be supported all the way to the bottom. I believe, like because then you are you're setting up a possible like the, a dead end for a player. Like as you said, I think that's a really uh, good thing to know. Like that, then it, it doesn't matter how good the player is, you have good in our in our you know what what our mm-hmm. definition of good is for this podcast. Uh, if you have shut if you have effectively closed off like avenues of their participation in the game like that's also bad design don't do that shit please yeah like if it just but... slams the door in their face you know if they're trying to break the game through the story that because that's also the thing that happens we, we have to we have to say that that's the thing that can happen like mm-hmm. like people try and like really story up the stuff and they can do like you know my i'm the prince of x and i should have access to the blah 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 blah, blah, blah. and it's like yeah i feel where you're coming from but that doesn't work for like what we're doing and being like raiding dungeons and stuff i mean you can be like an exiled prince if you want to like take that nobility stuff but like like having access to the entire kingdom's worth of resources is not what this is about so there's 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 the, the responsibility on that player's end too, the one that's really story focused to, to at least conform to the tenets of the game, with their story. Otherwise, they're trying to drag everybody else along with them, and it's another kind of problem player.
0: Yeah. I, again, though, like that is another thing that I've mechanized because I think that it's a good idea. Well, it's not quite mechanized, but is uh, one of rules that i think i've mentioned a fair number is the rule of you can break the game once in that particular way so it's like you want to be the prince you have access to the full kingdom's resources okay you can use that to your advantage once however the next time you try to do that something's going to happen you're going to become the exiled prince or something Mm. i Somehow this is not going to work a second time. Every time that you try to exploit the game, you have to do it in a new and creative way. Which means even if you have like a rules lawyer who's trying to do stuff in a continual form of exploiting the game's rules, they have to do it in a new and interesting way every time. Which means that other people will be entertained. Because yep. they have to get progressively more creative. That's a... so. By its nature, it actually forces the player to become a better player.
1: That is such a bizarre meta rule. It's so it, because it's like it's it's a it's the ultimate like okay yeah that's fine like it, it's 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 is it's like rule zero point five or something I don't know what that what. <laughs> Because it's like, yeah, the the game might break. It's acknowledging the game could break. Like, zo- rule zero is acknowledging the game could break, and, like, somebody might have to step in and intervene and, like, change the rules on the fly. And we kind of have to just be okay with that. Uh, but, like, the way you're phrasing it is like, yeah, okay, if you find an exploit in these rules, cool, you get it. You get to have it. And then something closes the loop. And the, the fact that your setting actually permits that because for reasons uh is quite good i think it's it, it you i think building that into your game is just a, a great move but i'm i mean i'm trying to figure out how I can steal that shit for Ash. but i don't think i don't think mechanics are all that exploitable they're not they're not granular enough to be i don't have like stacking mechanics that you that you know they where they might have an unnecessarily powerful interaction so it, i don't think I'm running into that issue, but like you know, third edition should absolutely have that. Like third edition D D should absolutely have that rule right in the front. Like, hey, if you find an exploit, you get it once and the gods go, Nope, we shut that down. Because they could do that, but they didn't, which is weird. But they could I, have.
0: I just assume they didn't think of it. Like I I'm glad that I did think of it. Mm-hmm. I think that if if anything in my game becomes it common i think this this would be the single thing that i've added to the industry that i think would be i would be most i'd be most i don't know proud of but pleased with i would be happy if this became common
1: <laughs> yeah because because it's like it's supporting it's supporting the exploitative power gamer which is something that very 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 few games do intentionally like usually they do it accidentally <laughs> well
0: that's that's the thing is that like a lot of games, okay. Well, if in a fun it's a way. Story... That's the thing. Well, well yeah. It's... But, yeah, but but keep in mind that like story for story focused games, they usually don't like the power gamers because power gamers tend to ruin the story. And it's like, okay, we don't, we don't want to, to encourage them. In fact, we'll probably penalize them. Whereas if you have like a, a game mechanics heavy one either they assume that they don't want the power gamer because they'll break the carefully constructed game mechanics mm. or they assume that everybody is a power gamer Yeah, and there's there's like no there's not really any games that are just like you know the power gamers are actually trying to have fun just like everybody else uh-huh. <laughs> can we actually Set the game up in such a way that, you know, the power gamer actually being a power gamer ends up making the game more fun for other people instead of less fun? Mm Because it almost feels like that question hasn't been asked. It's almost just we do or we don't like power gamers. And it's not like, can we actually use them constructively?
1: Yeah. No, I totally, I totally concur with that i mean when i i mean that's that's where i was talking about when i was like you know the power gamer and the, and the story gamer should like be having equal amounts of fun and like supporting the power gamer as part of that like you know if you want to if you just want to just be like okay i want to make a party of of fire wizards and just max that out and anytime somebody comes to me with a problem like fire's gonna solve it watch <laughs> and if you it's want to make, play that character like
0: there is liter- a quote for that it, <laughs> it is that if brute force does not work you obviously aren't using enough
1: uh-huh, right or if enough fire if you if fire hasn't solved the problem clearly you need to apply more fire i mean so yeah. so yeah uh it's, but if you want it's to do totally that though. like
0: well, there may be consequences there might be new problems that have arrived because of fire, fortunately, those can also be solved by more fire.
1: Okay. I mean, that's how you listen. I mean, that's how that character would look at it for sure. So why not? Like, uh, yeah, global fire, 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 fire. Yeah, don't say that in Portland anywhere because, like, this state was like had red <laughs> skies for like three months last year. Fucking yeah, but I,
0: I, I mean, I had a pyromaniacal character. They actually ended up. Becoming the avatar of the god of fire getting an audience with them and it's like they didn't even believe in him. They didn't consider him to be all that special. It's just it's like well, I mean you are basically the embodiment of fire, so I guess you're my avatar now It's like, okay, whatever I'm just gonna keep doing this stuff cuz I was gonna do it anyway
2: On um, uh just to wrap up the topic, do we have any last uh, points or comments for for closing this out? Good players.
1: I don't think so. I think, I think, we, think, touched, I think we, we touched a bunch of stuff. I, I can't think uh, of anything else off my head.
2: Yeah, I think I would just kind of reiterate the, the main points of um, I think what we're really trying to do is make sure that the players are engaged, not only with the game itself, but with each other and mm-hmm. that if you have a way of uh, encouraging that in your system, in your game rules, in the kind of uh, social norms that you want to set for your game, then uh, being able to do that and communicate that to your players is going to be helpful in, in creating the good behaviors that you want from players who are playing your game. Yeah. Fair?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. Final thoughts, I would say that everybody in every game is trying to have fun. That's kind of the nature of a game, right? Mm -hmm. But there are different ways to have fun. Either A, specialize your game towards a specific type of fun and then try to attract players of that type. Or B, if you're going for a more wide, broad audience, be aware that there are different types of things that people find fun. Figure out what your players are going to be wanting to do and reward them for the things that they want to do. Like if they're trying to enjoy the game, build the game so that they can enjoy it. Like this sounds really obvious once it's said out loud, but a lot of games don't do that. They're just like, no, this is the right way to play the game. Uh
3: So can you guys hear me? Okay. Yes. Yep. Yep. I'll just read this out, the way Kat said that, and the way this reads. This is something I wrote, and kind of what I was talking about. We don't all understand game rules the same. Allow yourself to be pulled into each other's versions of the rules. Allow yourself to be convinced by your teammates' interpretation of spells, abilities, skills, and the setting itself. Of course there's a fucking rainbow when you summon a unicorn steed. And yeah, it probably fills the Hell Knights' uh, tormented souls with a paralyzing dread. Rainbow unicorns tend to have that effect. However, they're still fucking hell knights forged in the darkest depths of Warthog Hill and baptized in the Sulphur River. So yeah, take your bonus diet. Let's get going.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I am okay with this. <laughs> so does 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 this mean that you can use Unicorn Vomit as a weapon?
3: I mean Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, that's they do that, right? They just projectile vomit like, rainbow, like yeah. rainbows at yeah, On their turn, gonna... of course. Okay, that's it. <laughs> yeah.
0: The demons are going to be first faced with the dreaded Care Bear stare. That's something
1: my but wife it... said the other night. That's fucking weird that you just basically... You just... Okay, that was... Never mind.
3: Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot... Yeah, there's a lot so imp- uh, subjective, uh, implicit, I guess, in this whole in these thoughts it's really hard to like hammer down what's good and what works
0: yeah Uh, but but in general i think we can generally assume that even though the specific details can be very difficult to pin down and they're going to differ on like table by table and individual basis but i think there's probably large sweeping concepts that are generally true as a whole
3: yeah for sure yeah i think that's like it's we all people who play role-playing games have this like understanding of role-playing games but also like it's pretty cool that we're playing the same game where we could all be sitting down to play the same game at a different table and we're not actually playing the same game like i think there's Mm -hmm. something really cool and interesting about that
1: yeah that's one of the, my favorite things is, is like, you know, I, you know, exchanging stories with other art gamers is like so much fun because you ne- like even especially if it's the same game because you never have the same shit. I mean, sometimes yeah. there'll be resonant experiences where it's like, oh yeah, we did that too, and then they'll say something and you're like, wow, that's fucking crazy, that's hilarious, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it, that's the great, that's the fun, like that's why we still show up and do this stuff.
2: All right, everybody. Yeah.
1: Thanks again for listening to another Flow Forward. Uh, I'm Rob. That was uh, Catrice, Mark, and Jonathan. It is uh, is night where you are. Good night. Good Good night. night.